Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. As usual, it's our Sunday show where we <laughs> unpack the week's news, and it's been a slow week. Usually... <laughs> Usually our uh, beloved friend, Michael Zeldin, is with us, a former federal prosecutor, but he's lost in the Galapagos Islands this week. And so joining us to, to take his part in talking about the legal angles of everything is equally stellar uh, attorney, Mark Zaid. And if you got a FOIA request, he's your guy. Also with us, as usual, John Bennett from the editor-at-large at CQ Roll Call. Among the things that were in, and bon vivant, man about town, and also, uh, you know, I got to tell you, John, still among the best people I know who understands how to speak Southern. Uh, <laughs> you've been there with me. So this week, we're going untru- to unpack Trump's latest indictment, the reaction to it. Uh, Trump, man, <laughs> including Pence, DeSantis. Uh, some tweets that came out this morning, or I guess posts now that it's no longer tweet and uh, something on Truth Social. The lawyer responds to it and um, the protective order and finally lost in the shuffle CO2 emissions and nuclear war threats. So stick around. Like I said, it was a slow week. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. Here to unpack the uh, week's events with me is Mark Zaid, a, a wonderful FOIA attorney and, uh, well, a remarkable understander of what goes on in the legal system. And then uh, also John Bennett, John, our editor-at-large at CQ Roll Call. And we're going to start with the latest indictment. Donald Trump showed up uh, this week to be indicted in D.C., over the events of January 6th. And while I got to witness a, really, it was a circus outside the courtroom. I mean, there was circumcision guy who wanted to rally for circumcisions and wanted Trump to get reelected and play Caesar and have dancing girls and belly dancers. And I'm not making this up. (laughs) Then there was uh, another guy who said that Biden was a crime family, but he wanted Trump back in and had a flag with Donald Trump on it, dressed as the Don in The Godfather. Of course, he also had a flag that said Trump or death. And a lot of people were saying, well, I I guess you're choosing suicide. And then there was finally the guy who said that Trump is the most perfect president ever, to which I said, you don't get out too much. And then there was the other guy who said that Trump was the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
Other than that, Trump had called out for a lot of people to show up to support him, and they just didn't show. But in the courtroom, there was a different show. And Mark, I guess I'll I'll go with you if you could just unpack what it was he was indicted for. They're all saying it was a matter of just him speaking his mind, and it was a First Amendment case. Yeah, well, hey, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. And uh, I can never fill Michael Zeldin's shoes, but I'll, I'll try to fill his socks at the very least. Oh, with what? <laughs> Rocks. Rocks to send him down so I can be on the program more often. <laughs> so uh, what was interesting, particularly about this latest indictment, is it is not an indictment for incitement of the crowd or rioting or uh, directly tied to the physical interaction with Capitol and Metropolitan police officers or entering the U.S. Capitol, right? Uh, I'm representing, among others, the estate of Officer Brian Sicknick of the U.S. Capitol Police suing Donald Trump, uh, and two of the individual defendants who physically, one of them physically, the other conspired to physically assault him. One of those guys are in jail, the other is already time served. Uh, and part of what we need to do is to show Trump's attachment to the crime. Now, this indictment doesn't do that directly as to what we were contemplating. Rather, it does it more broadly with respect to the interference of what was going on inside the Capitol with Congress and Vice President Pence. And that was the certification of, of the electors. And while superficially, I can understand why people, especially Trump supporters, and this is the problem with this case and from a PR standpoint, will see this as a First Amendment matter. That's not what the allegations are. It is about actions. It is about conduct that comes either parallel to, in accompaniment with, or after the the speech. And what everybody also should understand is speech is not absolutely protected, right? We all know the adage of you can't walk into a crowded theater and yell fire, right? right? You can't walk into, as I keep hearing people say on television, my colleagues, into a bank and say, stick them up, give me your money. That None of that is protected speech. There are lots of exceptions, uh, mostly when it has to do with being in conjunction with other criminal activity. So there are four counts against the president. They they are all related to the interference and obstruction of the certification of now President Joe Biden to become president uh, in a ceremonial mm. function that the vice president was going to lead. And and we've seen, all right, so on on air, in social media, in print, we've seen him say this is First Amendment, that uh, and Trump has said, I didn't do anything except ask questions and denies that he ever instructed anyone to actually do what they're accusing him of doing in the indictment, including he's pushed back against Pence. He said, hey, I was just asking him to kind of check and see. Does any of that make any difference in the. No, it, do it, it does. And and unlike the classified documents case down with Mar-a-Lago in the middle district of Florida which is far more going to be determined by pretrial motions than a trial. There, there are, I've handled espionage act cases. 
they rarely go to trial in this context, even in the, the conventional spying context, because usually the evidence is so overwhelming and uncontrovertible. You go to trial, you lose. So these cases almost always, not every time, but almost always plead out. But this case for January 6th, the notion of, well, Michael Mike Pence says, you know, President Trump said the following to him. President Trump now says, no, I didn't say that. That's a question of fact. And and that may be something, therefore, that has to go to the jury. And then it's an issue of credibility. And who do you believe? Uh, you know, and amongst admits uh, tons of other evidence, of course, and other statements he's made. And now, most probably most importantly, and we can all laugh about credibility when it comes to, to Donald Trump, of course, but that requires Donald John, as I think he said, if I when he went to court, yeah. the other day, Donald John Trump to take the witness stand. And I think any lawyer who allows Donald Trump to take the witness stand should probably either be uh, ready to face a uh, malpractice lawsuit from their own client for allowing that or well, yeah. uh, should be ethically disbarred or debarred, disbarred, disbarred uh, for it because it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, my God, if he ever takes the stand. So th- that is why everything we're seeing by the Don by Trump's legal team is very little to do with the law and has everything to do with riling up their political and conventional base among MAGA supporters. And he makes a good point, John. I mean, they're trying right now to try this in the court of public opinion. Uh, you've been monitoring that. He's Trump's called Pence a liar. Pence and DeSantis have pushed back. Pence have said he absolutely asked me to do this. Even DeSantis is is trying to carve a lane away from Trump right now. How's this affecting the world of the campaign? Well, it's about the base. It's always been about the base. Everything has been about the base since Trump came down that escalator. And write a song on that. It's all about the base. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. How's this affecting? It's it's interesting to watch uh, the other candidates try to. Um, quietly tiptoe away from Trump without actually saying the words. And, um, you know, sometimes these column ideas just hit you when you're washing dishes. I was listening this morning doing just that uh, to the former vice president, try to peel himself away from uh, President Trump. But he, you know, Pence Pence has this remarkable way of of just not saying what he's trying to say. And, and, you know, he needs some of that base. Um, uh, he needs some of that base just to get on the debate stage. So um, I'm focusing really hard on Pence here because, you know, I, he was under oath with the grand jury. I get that. Um, you know, so he's, he's going to tell the truth or that the way that Mike Pence tells the truth um, is this very um, syrupy, indirect way of communicating and i just and and i you know you know the this you know this putting pence on a pedestal is happening and what pence did on january 6th um was was one word it was presidential he was the president he was the president for about eight hours let's just you know i think we can say that but um he needs to come out and say things directly if he wants to play that role now if if that's what he wants to be the anti-trump uh, but he doesn't say, 
you know, President Trump tried to tried to steal the election or President Trump. He's you know, it's just this this dance that Pence is doing. Uh, And I do wonder now, is is this about, you know, trying to tell the people that he and he won't say that he thinks Trump is unfit for office. He just won't say things like that. And and I think I I think he deserves a good bit of criticism for that. Um, If that's how he feels, then he needs to say it uh, instead of this code that he speaks in. And and, you know, he 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 did an interview with Major Garrett for uh, Face the Nation that aired this morning as, as we taped this on Sunday. And, you know, he, you know, it's well, Trump nodded and pointed at me when I said maybe we should concede the election if the lawsuits don't go our way. You know, he won't say that he won't come out and say plainly, well, Major, um, that was that it was clear to me that having lost the election was something then President Trump was entertaining. Instead, it's this, you know, it's this roundabout way of saying things. And and I just and I do wonder, if, is this for Mike Pence about sending a, a warning shot up uh, about President Trump? Or is this right now just about getting on that debate stage? Well, I, I just I have to wonder. I, I, I wonder two things. I mean, correct me, any guys, any one of you, if I'm wrong, this is the first time in the history of this country in a court of law, you're going to have a former vice president to a president face off against that president mm-hmm. in court over what is true or what is not. And he has pushed back. you got to give him this. I mean, I, I have a lot of problems with Mike Pence, but when confronted by a, a Trump supporter about why don't you, you know, why didn't you go along with the president and do what the Constitution said? He goes, I did do what the conscience Constitution says. You should read it. That's the most direct I've ever heard him. And, and since he, you know, came, well, look, I knew the guy when he was in uh, Indiana and had a radio show and he was kind of, you know, a little wild back then, way far to the right. But um, to your point, I guess we're, we're seeing a vice at some point in time. And I guess I'll, I'll ask this to both of you, but, but um, particularly, I, I guess, Mark, you're, you're talking about him being the president of the United States taking a witness stand and a vice president of the United States taking a witness stand against him. And then it could boil down to who do we believe more, Pence or Trump? Yes? Uh, Yes, at its heart. And of course, as unprecedented as that is, it, it it doesn't stop there. It's going to be Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who we're not hearing anything about and is Gee, I wonder why. You know, conspicuously actually not even named in the indictment for reasons likely to be that he's been cooperating. It is the former attorney general of the United States, Bill Barr, who has been very outspoken and direct about uh, facts uh, and events in the White House at the time. It's going to be his former, Trump's former White House counsel, deputy White House counsel. It's going to be all the deputy attorney general of the United States. It's going to be all of the senior major lawyers in a presidential administration who, other than the sycophants who supported him, who are the named co-conspirators, are going to be factually testifying against the president, former president of the United States. So if it were just 
Pence versus Trump from a credibility standpoint, you know, who who knows uh, what could happen with that? You never know what a jury is going to do. But when you've got such a wealth of evidence, uh, such as we have here, uh, you know, you would expect it to go a certain way. But then again, we expected O.J. Simpson's criminal trial to go a certain way. <laughs> I was going to so, say that. You know, never rule out anything. But, you know, everything, I, I will say this, uh, and you and I have talked about this because we talk about this topic all the time, and I'm sure John yeah. has had this conversation with numerous people too, right? Not looking forward to the next 16 months no. as to what's going to be happening in our country. Now, and I will say, now that we are not even a week, when I can't even, the when when did the indictment drop? I mean, it feels like it was at least six weeks ago, and I think it was just Thursday. a few days, a week ago, right? It was Thursday. He was, Thursday. Oh no, he, he was arraigned Thursday, The and it was a week before. Yeah, it's been a week. Yeah, oh yeah. So it has escalated even quicker than, than I anticipated, at, at least by the rhetoric that Trump is spouting out with now personally attacking the judge assigned to the case uh, in in a way that is not going to bode well uh, for him. Um, but uh, I, venue, right? the change venue, now the venue issue was a given. And that's not a bad motion to bring at all, to give it a chance to try and move venue. Hey, Jack Ruby tried to change the venue of his criminal trial for the killing of Lee Harvey Oswald in Dallas. And we all, we all, I wasn't there. <laughs> Everybody watched it at the time, <laughs> you know, uh, on television. Uh, but, and, and it failed. And that was actually one of the reasons why he was able to get a retrial was because of unfair pretrial publicity by the appellate court that said that. So it's not a bad motion to move for for a change of venue, uh, especially given that 92 percent of D.C. residents, uh, registered voters, voted for President Biden. Now, that doesn't mean Donald Trump couldn't get a fair trial, but I'm sure perception wise, certainly that would be looked at that way. But uh, that's a different argument. In fact, the West Virginia attorney general was on Fox this morning uh, on Sunday saying, yeah, bring the case here, bring the case here. Uh, but that is very different from attacking the judge as saying, I can't get a fair trial because the judge is biased against me because all she's done so far is actually deny a motion for an extension of time because the Trump lawyers said they needed more time to respond to a very basic protective order motion by the government. Yet the lead lawyer has time to go on the five major news programs Sunday morning instead of working on his opposition to the motion. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And the judge, who I've been before a few times, but I have no real significant relationship to or major experience to, I, just knowing the judges in D.C. where I practiced for 30 years, they are not going to take kindly to that, including the Trump-appointed judges, who I've been before many times in this yeah. district, who are not going to take kindly to that type of shenanigans. Uh, so... But I am really concerned, uh, and I'll finish on this because uh, it goes to the politics of it as well. I am really concerned with the rhetoric and how quickly it is ratcheted up that uh, January 6th is going to become, you know, a an, an October 4th or a December 1st, uh, or it there's going to be another one that I, I am really seriously. Well, one about. more question before I get to 
John, it, it to you, Mark. Um, well, I guess too. What do you think happens because of these personal attacks and the uh, attempt to change venue? And when you talk about unfair pretrial publicity, it's the defense that's putting the pretrial publicity out there. That I haven't heard anything from Jack Smith other than a very quick statement and the indictment that you can read, which is public record. Other than that, you don't see him on the the shows. So the pre-trial publicity, it looks like they're trying to poison a jury pool. No, and that's that is incredibly true. And these types of motions generally are very difficult to bring anyway. When I was on the defense team for the Haditha war crimes case for the U.S. Marines, uh, uh, a band of Marines who were accused of killing two dozen Iraqi citizens uh, back in like 05, uh, we tried against General Mattis, who was the commandant of the Marines of the time, to bring an unfair pretrial publicity and command influence and things like that. Uh, and the judge was like, no, you know, this is an issue you can handle during voir dire, which is the notion of asking prospective jurors, what do you know about the case? I mean, D.C. is probably going to be more likely of residents to really have no pay attention to what's going on. But I dare say you'd even still find people here in D.C. who just aren't paying attention to what's going on and would like, yeah, no, I could do a, uh, have a fair trial or an open mind with this. You know, it, this is a real catch-22 for the judge because she wants to make sure she definitely does appear fair, without a doubt. But it's kind of hard in some ways to do that when you have the a party pushing so hard so it so it looks like to antagonize the judge so that everything they do is going to be criticized, meaning the judge. And this is, you know, the, the government could have brought or considered, I'm sure, maybe did the same motion with Eileen Cannon, the district judge in the Mar-a-Lago case. But there was no way they were going to bring it because, one, they're professionals, and two, they know <laughs> how that would go. But but these judges, particularly through their, I'll say, small decisions, can make a huge dis, uh, difference. And and we're seeing this in both cases, though it hasn't manifested itself to the surface in Mar-a-Lago yet. The timing of the case, how quickly or how slowly it goes, that will make all the difference in the world in both prosecutions, especially as we go up against an election. So uh, right now, the case in Florida is moving at a normal pace but we haven't gotten to the heart of things. It's been delayed a little bit, but that was not surprising for the trial. In D.C., the judge is giving every indication this is going to be moving along fairly quickly, and that is not what Trump wants, and that's why they're starting to freak out. Uh, and it, 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 it it's going to get nasty. It's just going to get nasty. That, and I'll, we'll say till after the break how nasty it gets, but, but John, unpack how have we been covering it on the Sunday shows and, you know, how do we cover, how do you think we did with the arraignment and with the indictment? How did the press respond and how has that fed the narrative? I thought the coverage was, uh, was, was pretty good. I thought it was in depth and, you know, um, I could have dealt with, I, I could have lived without watching uh, Trump drive home for dinner on uh, <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without that, though we did get the the great visual. At least I, I think I, I was on CNN at that point. Trump 
uh, Secret Service pulls his SUV up to, I guess, the residence there at Bedminster, and uh, Secret Service agent opens the door, and Trump gets out. He's on the phone. <laughs> and I guess whoever was on the phone said, hey, I see you on TV. And Trump looks up at the news helicopter. And I just thought that was a good way uh, to wrap up the day that I actually left the coverage. There was nothing that anyone could say on a panel uh, as smart as those guys are, especially on CNN. They do a great job uh, with that kind of coverage. I, I just I had to I put I think I put a baseball game on. because it was just, It was just great. I, I texted you like looked up at the helicopter uh, anyway. <laughs> So I thought the coverage was good. Um, you know, kudos. I I kept I kept it on CNN uh, much of the day. Uh, you know, they have a lot of great legal analysts, and you know, they were measured and they were fair. But uh, one thing that not only CNN but others, Washington Post, New York Times, my colleagues at at CQ Roll Call, and and others, everyone framed it very well. Everyone framed what's at stake and that this is probably the most important trial criminal trial in in the country's history. So I was really impressed with the framing that that everybody got it. Everybody um everybody explained that really well to viewers and readers. Um so I, I thought the coverage was pretty strong. You know, it's a it was a it was a big game and, and I thought I thought everyone showed up and um now we could talk about Fox's coverage. Um yes. <laughs> which was which was, you know, I heard Harris Faulkner say that Trump is being, quote, legally hunted, end quote. <laughs> so, um, you know, just just ignoring the behavior and, and everything that Trump said and did back then and continues to just this notion that somehow Donald Trump is a victim. Um, that's that's what's being played out on uh, on on conservative media, especially on Fox. Um, so, you know, that's a problem that that goes to Mark's point, which is very good, that this is going to be a really, a really nasty, bitter, loud and and divisive 15, 16 months. But it'll, if, if Trump loses, it'll go beyond that. It could be 18 months. Um, and, you know, these trials and, you know, we see Trump's rhetoric even this morning. I urge everybody just to go check out his true social feed and. You know, going just nasty things about Nancy Pelosi, as Mark said, he's attacking the judge in the in the D.C. trial, which is a terrible idea. I'm not a lawyer, but, um, you know, that's some legal advice out there. If, if you're going in front of a judge, uh, maybe don't post about him or her on social media. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I'm also concerned, like Mark said, about, uh, you know, the political about political violence because of all this. I mean, Trump posted. Uh, what prompted the protective order? He posted, I believe, it was Friday night. Um, if you if you come after me, I'll come after you. Yeah. And then his lawyer you go after me, I'll come after you, which is grammatically yeah. incorrect. But I'm incorrect. Not- <laughs> that is that is incorrect. That's right. You should be an editor when you grow up. Yeah. Um, if you come after me, I'll go after you. Is the the grammatically correct way to say it? He can't even spell Biden correctly, so I didn't expect that one. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I had a rant for my editor first. <laughs> Hey, it's your show. Ran away. Um, so we yeah, we got a, a snapshot there that, you know, Trump's clearly upset. He's probably scared. I would be scared if I was facing 500 up to 561 years and counting in federal prison. Uh, and and we've seen it before when 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 he's scared and feels vulnerable. He he lashes out in these ways on on Truth Social. We remember those pool sprays that we were both in. Yeah. Or 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 you know unplanned media events at the White House. 
and he lashes out and he says things and and they are threats and his his lawyers trying to explain it away in in I guess it was a letter to the, to the judge um that it wasn't a threat but I'll come after you or I'll go after you I mean of course that's a threat so you know the judge has a a very hard problem to try to keep the lid on everything not that it's the judge's responsibility to to keep the lid on this political violence but she's going to play a role in that and you know she's and mark said and he's right you know she's got a tough job because you know and we've all we've all known people like this uh in our lives work wise or or personal lives people who act like trump does and then when you respond to the behavior they say you're attacking them they play victim yeah. and 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 he's good at that he's he's that helped him get elected that's why he's the front runner right now you know he this contention he 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 posted something um before he he came to dc for the arraignment that um they're not they're arresting me but they're really coming after you you that's his that you know i'm your messiah right and it resonates yeah it does resonate it's those people who felt like they've never been able to be heard before those who don't understand trump's appeal um, you know, I always go back to Dave Chappelle when Dave Chappelle said, you know, I live in Ohio and I, I saw these guys right. and, and yeah. they would come out and go, you know, this this system is rigged. And Trump said, yeah, it's rigged and I take advantage of it. And then he went back in the club and he goes, that resonated with people who always thought that they were ignored. It doesn't matter that he actually is taking advantage of it and he's still screwing you. It, they're just happy he acknowledged the fact that they're getting screwed. So those people have that makes up his base, but I'll, I'll end up with before we go to break. The the last question for you, and you're 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 big about talking about this every week, John. I know this will secure him, or help to secure him, or could help to secure him. I still think he isn't going to be on the on the ballot, but it could help to secure him the nomination from the Republicans. But in those six to eight states that are going to be where this election falls. Is he is anything that he's doing now appealing to independent voters? Does it help his overall case? I can't imagine that that you know you've got um, what was it last time around? I guess a hundred thousand or so uh, independents in those six states are are watching all this and and watching how Trump is acting during all this and saying, you know what, um, that guy's that that guy that's my guy. And and let's get him back in there. Now, some of those independents, you know, they might look at, you know, I I, I did my uh, weekly grocery shopping yesterday and, you know, it wasn't cheap. So inflation's still around and filled up the car. And boy, that wasn't cheap either. So, you know, these independents might be thinking, you know, it, the, the economy wasn't wasn't terrible uh, under Trump. And, you know, they they might have an inkling um to see if he could get back in there and 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 get at inflation and and things like gas prices and uh, and 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 some of these other economic headwinds that Biden is chipping away at but maybe Trump could could turn all that around but then you know he did you know he he did an insurrection he tried to, to overturn an election with zero evidence and um, you know, he's facing, I think you counted what, 78 charges? 78 charges, and Georgia yeah. still hasn't chipped in with their. I'm still betting he's going to be over 100 charges before the end of the summer, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I don't think independent. Yeah, I don't, I don't, he's not doing anything uh, to lock in. outside of his face, right? It's just. Right. 
Right. It's, and yeah. he's not talking about issues, inflation and gas prices and how he's going to help people. He's not talking about that. He's only talking about himself. And that is not going his favorite subject. That's right. And it, yeah. that is not going to get those independents and not enough of them. Not 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 by far. I mean, at least, you know, Biden, the Biden, the White House last week spent a lot of time and they're going to be talking about it again this week. The infrastructure bill, you know, they're, they're pushing these projects because now there's shovels in the ground and these projects are underway. So there's a renewed push by Biden and the White House to to tout that. Here's what we're doing for you. Here's how we're yeah. trying to make your life better. And Trump's just talking about his trials and his charges and judges. You know, that's not talking to, you know, tweeting or or truthing. Exactly as, like as, a political. Yeah, po- yeah posting a about a judge. It, yeah, it's not going to make the price of eggs come down. Right. And people get that. People get that. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to unpack the idea of how bitter and how dangerous this actually could become. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With us for our weekly roundup of the news is John Bennett, editor at CQ Roll Call, editor at large at CQ Roll Call, and has a wonderful column to read every week. And also with us is world renowned <laughs> attorney Mark Zaid, who has actually had cases in the court where Donald Trump is going to appear or may appear, or might appear. And when we left, we were talking a little bit about this current indictment and and how tricky it's going to get for the next 16 months. And uh, both of you said it's going to be bitter and very dangerous. And I know there have been a lot of threats, but I'll I'll lead off this by saying I was there, and I've said it before, outside of this particular arraignment. And John, you and I have covered rallies. And we've been at Trump, uh, and I was there on January 6th and was threatened there and watched people get beaten. I have, I I don't know if I'm going to take, and and somebody correct me, and I hope I'm right, and I pray I'm not wrong. But I don't know that it's going to be as dangerous as January 6th. You had a thousand, look, they said that there were only about a thousand people there uh, at the, and it was a picnic, and it was a wonderful little time to walk around and it was a peaceful protest. There've been a thousand people indicted for January 6th. 700 of them have pled guilty or been found guilty. I think five majority of them were, were uh, pled out. And I understand the danger of that day, but he also called out his army for his arraignment. And like I said before, there were maybe there were uh, the blacks for, for, uh, uh, for Trump. I saw them, you know, they they look like a paid acting troupe. They showed up dressed differently, put their shirts on, then wandered through a crowd and talked about black for Trump's, blacks for Trump. And then a, a a black woman walked up to him and said, yeah, that's like chickens for McNuggets. 
and then there was there was you know and then you know there was circumcision man and there was a, it was performance art at this point in time it looks to me like donald trump has become irrelevant to that movement they are they have embraced their worst inner demons egged on by donald trump and it's become look at me i need to be on tv instead of whatever else Donald Trump's about. And the hardcore people have, are staying home because they don't want to get indicted and thrown in prison. So it looks to me, to me, if I'm reading the tea leaves and maybe I'm reading them wrong, that it's not going to be as dangerous. It's going to be more mouth than anything else. And all of this that we're seeing right now is all mouth because as I pointed out, he, was in, he, he wasn't indicted by Biden. He was indicted by a grand jury. He's not going to be tried by Biden or the prosecutor. He's going to be tried by a jury of his peers. And he's innocent until proven guilty. And so if he's innocent and he goes to trial and he gets out, fine, he's done. That's it. And, and they'll bitch, the, the left will bitch at that point in time, going, well, you, you know, it wasn't a fair trial. It was a hung jury, whatever. But the process is working. And it seems like that all we're seeing now is mouth. And and so I I, I guess I'll, I'll start with you, John. Do you think it's, well, Let's go with McCarthy. McCarthy says you're entitled to raise a question. You're this is Speaker McCarthy. You're entitled to raise a question. You're entitled to question whether or not it was honest. That's the uniqueness of the First Amendment. But you know what? You shouldn't be prosecuted for your thoughts. He's not being prosecuted for his thoughts. He's being prosecuted for his actions, as, as Mark pointed out. All of this, and he knows this. I mean, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy may be many things, and he is, but I mean, he's probably cognizant of the Constitution and the law. So I, I wonder, is this all just show or it, do you really think it's there's a danger? There's definitely a danger. I thought it was all talk um, until about one forty five in the afternoon on January 6th. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't think they, I didn't quite. And I wrote this in a column uh, for the publication I worked at at the time. Um, yeah, I got it wrong. I missed it. I, on January 6th, before January 6th, I thought it was just Trump kind of sore, not, not kind of, I think I'd written this before. I thought it was just sore loser bluster and he was, you know, getting it out of his system and he was going to go away for a little time, uh, you know, post-presidency, not go away. He he may go away in a different sense uh, pretty soon. I hear Alcatraz is open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, there is a danger. It It might be, it can be both things actually. And it can be talk right now, but a danger later. And that's, you know, I think that's what Mark and I, we share the fear that, you know, this this can build to a crescendo. And, you know, what that looks like, you know, I don't want to, I don't certainly not encourage violence, but I don't even really want to predict it. But my gut tells me that that we missed it the first time and, and we can't um, we can't hope it away that it won't happen. But he has this hold on people. And I I understand the appeal for folks, um, you know, who the, the country's changing, the, the demographics are changing, um, you know, the economy's not great. It's, it's harder uh, to make ends meet. It, it's harder to have a little cushion. I understand the appeal of Donald Trump. The, the wars back, you know, the wars weren't popular. Um, and, and Trump was very anti-war. So I understand the appeal for, for certain folks in certain conditions to to like Donald Trump, but the hold he has over people, it's almost like a spell. 
And that worries me because when you have that kind of hold over people, as we saw on January 6th, they'll do what you tell them to do. And, yeah. and I, you know, if, if he's convicted or forced, you know, someone convinces him to drop out of the race uh, before he's sentenced and, and has to show up somewhere with an orange jumpsuit. Um, what, what could he push people to do? We, we know we've seen what he's capable of and we've seen what they'll do for him. And, and yeah, I, I think it's talk now, but it, it, it could get violent later. And I, I don't know what that looks like or where it would take place. I'm guessing it would be in Washington again. Um, there would have to be some central point. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's very worrisome. I mean, it, it's a tinderbox and that's the problem. Yeah. And I, yeah. I hope you're right, yeah. Brian, but the the good news, I suppose, even in, in examining January 6th, is it was very few people who were organized in what they were trying to accomplish. You know, it, it was the right-wing militia groups, the Proud Boys and others, where they were organized. And I think that was just a few dozen people, as I recall, the numbers that might have been attached to that. But I, I represent, I still represent one of, one of the senior uh, Capitol Police intelligence officials. And there was, as we know now from the January 6th committee, I knew this then, there's a ton, there was a ton of information being discussed as to the likelihood that this was going to become violent in some regard. But it, we, the government, not we, the three of us, because we didn't have anything to do with it, but the government did not do a good enough job to be prepared at every level, local, state, federal. And that's why now we need to be vigilant to pay attention. I mean, I'm just constantly reminded of history of, and I was asked this a little bit after Biden took office when I was interviewed about the new administration from uh, from a legal perspective. And, you know, how did I feel having gone through all the Trump impeachments when I was being, you know, receiving death threats and stuff for the work I was doing as a lawyer? And I said, I was relaxed now. I'm really finally relaxed. I'm not watching televised news. I don't need to. I don't have to pay attention to what's going on every second of the day and see if the president of the United States is saying something about me and inciting uh, folks to threaten me. But the response back to me was, well, you know, what if we're just in a lull? And yeah. you look back on history and, you know, we can see it now where, you know, for periods of time, it was a few years, it was a problem. And then things quieted down. And then all of a sudden, boom, that spark went off. And you can look back and see, wow, I can see how that happened. Uh, and you look what happened over the, the few years after or whatever period of time it was. And I don't want to be in that. And I don't either. When when I had the death threats and we had we hired security, 24-7 armed guards uh, to stay with me uh, for a lot of money. And the primary reason why I did that was not because of this organized effort to come after me. It was the notion of the Pizzagate attack uh, on yeah. Comet Pizza on Connecticut Avenue in D.C. One lone nut was all it took. And so as much as we have to be concerned about organized violence from a vocal group of Trump supporters, which is definitely possible. I think the the bigger threat is the one lone nut uh, who does something and sets off a tinderbox for for all the rest. You know, hey, look at the start of World one. <laughs> well, nothing came about from the Oswald saying, you know, there weren't any rights and, and stuff like that. But 
well, you know, World War One. I, I mean, assassinating yeah. the Archduke. Hey, that's not an insignificant event. But I'm not sure anybody expected at the time it was going to spark the Great War for four years. Yeah, I I I agree. I and I don't. I'm not saying don't be vigilant. Um, I'm just when I look at when I saw the arraignment Thursday, and when I hear the rhetoric, I think that and and look, I was the one that asked the question: Win, lose, or draw, we accept a peaceful transfer of power. We're we're living out the the, the answer to that question right now. And that's what January 6th is about, his inability to accept reality. But and and I understand that his that many of his his uh his proponents cannot accept reality. But I wonder, I hope it's not a law. I hope that common sense uh prevails. You know, the pre- current president Biden uh is always saying, you know, he he looks forward that he has hope for the future. He thinks we're on the precipice of great things is that wishful thinking or are we screwed but the problem the problem is one lone nut well that that too for sure but are they hearing the common sense in today's world they're not hearing the common sense that we're we're so divided and because of the internet isolated so that all you hear is what you want to hear so the Trump supporters are only hearing from Truth Social, Newsmax, OAN, uh, and Fox. To I mean, Fox is still at least you know it, there are portions of it that just go, "Are you serious? Did you actually just say that?" But then there are portions where it's really just straight news. But all these other entities, right? These these folks now they're not watching. They're not listening to our this podcast <laughs> right now. They're they're not watching Meet the Press. They're not watching CNN. Uh, they're not they're not reading the New York Times. They're not getting the other side or even if it's the left other side. I, I used to when I first came to D.C. 30 years ago, I had a subscription to The Washington Times and The Washington Post. Sure. And I would read them both every day. People aren't doing that now. And so they're they're not receiving the common sense they're receiving is not going to be good for us all as a country. John, it's a big problem. Mark's right, and um, you said, <laughs> Brian, you said uh, uh, Biden's hopefulness and his optimism, and it does sometimes feel like we're closer to screwed than than Joe's vision of America and his hope. Um, well, he has a horrible communication staff. That's he does have that. I mean, and you know, I understand. If I was president, I would I would say the same things probably. Um, and he's trying to be a leader. I, I get that, and he's trying to he's trying to unify. But I think if if you set Joe Biden down with some truth serum, um, he would he would probably also say we're closer to screwed because of everything that we've been talking about here. And 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 to Mark's point about uh, partisan media, you know, they're not reading roll call. They're not, you know, they they might read your column, Brian, but they're hate reading it. Uh, the yeah, right I, is. They're not, I read I read roll call. I read you guys. There it is. Thank you very much. Uh, I read Rose always Rose. You don't have to read it, but please click on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's yeah, what I like, say. When people say, I, I read you, I hate you, I go, you read me. Thank you. Thank you very much for reading. That's- yeah, I try to spend, you know, I try to spend at least a half hour a day on Fox News just to, to get that perspective. I think it's good to 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 hear what they're being um, 
how do I want to put this? What they're being presented uh, as far as opinion and 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 what information they do get out. And there are some serious folks at Fox. We talked about that here before, um, but they're fewer and fewer. And some of the voices uh, that I would call reasonable, I've noticed lately, especially on this matter of, of Trump's uh, the D.C. trial, especially um, they they're they're sounding more and more the company line, the Trump line. They're not um, they're not as as down the middle as as I think they were on on other things like the classified documents case. So um, yeah, and and so people aren't hearing you know real legal analysis about this indictment. They're they're being told that Trump is under attack and, and the whataboutism uh, with Hunter Biden. You know that that's oh. big and on conservative uh, media. Um, that somehow uh, Hunter Biden's, um, you know, his gun charge is equal to sending an angry mob to try to stop the electoral college count. You know that that it's somehow on par or or somehow worse than what Trump is accused of doing. Well, so Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she just wants a date with him. She likes to push all his porno video out. <laughs> That's also a problem for yeah, a lot of different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, let me ask you both before we go to our, our next break. What do you think the greatest threat is in the misinformation? What are What is the one fact that you think is being missed with the mis and disinformation? And uh, I'll start with you, Mark. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's a hard thing to do to come up right with just with just one as far as something so I'll, I'll lead off then I'll, I'll lead off i i think the greatest uh mis or piece of misinformation or disinformation that is that will have long lasting consequences is how uh court proceedings work i think it's undermined forever the idea of what a trial is who brings about indictments and how the justice system works by labeling the justice system as broke, I think there is a or broke in. There are a whole a group of people, an entire generation that's going to grow up thinking that the DOJ is something that it's not, and that's that to me. I think is the biggest. I think the biggest uh, sin. I totally agree. And I mean, this is the first time in our lifetime. It's not the first time of where the judiciary has been under attack and uh, the public perception of it, the reputation is diminishing. Now, some of that is self-inflicted by this, the justices yes. themselves with all the conflict uh, and gift matters. That That's totally separate, but that has contributed to the uh, deterioration of the perception of what the judicial system is like. I, I would extend what you say uh, that I agree with to also law enforcement uh, as well, the public perception of law enforcement. And I would also highlight the, the, the notion of the blurring of the lines of the First Amendment. I think any time when it starts to become that there are only absolutes, it's either black or white, it's going to be a problem. And a good point. as interesting as it is that where the Trump team is arguing protection by First Amendment, I think they're actually harming and undermining the First Amendment by making it what it's not supposed to be. It never was. Uh, and, and that's so. And if you put all three of those together, 
that that's a huge, huge problem. I mean, the one thing, you know, right now in the United States, why we're not actually in a real coup like we have we just saw the other day in was it Niger? I think yeah. I think it was uh, or we've seen in lots of other countries is the notion that the military, whether it's the National Guard at the state level or federal military, is not in a position to be controlled, I hope, I think, by an outsider like Donald Trump, where that makes a difference to rally up around. Uh, And now, who the hell knows if that can't change? I I sure as hope it can't. But that is a that's a key part why uh, we're not in a situation that we we could be in uh, as we see almost yeah you know, I don't want to say every day but as we see often in other countries around the world. Well, and I'll let you have the final word on this, John. What do you think is the greatest threat? Yeah, I agree with those. I'll go with um, the that that the Justice Department is um, is being attacked right now and and is weaponized and being used for political purposes. Uh, but also, um, I'm going to throw on the list this this notion that you get from uh, right wing media and 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 Republican pundits that Trump can do no wrong. It's almost like these actions weren't illegal because Donald Trump did them. And the notion that that he could never make a mistake, that he could never break a law, that he shouldn't be punished almost because he's Donald Trump, that somehow he's a superior being to the rest of us. I think that's very, very dangerous. I agree. I, that's, that's a well put. So we're going to take a short break, and when we'll come back, there are other, believe it or not, other news topics out there to discuss. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I'm your host, Brian Karam. With me, again, for the editor-at-large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett, and local uh, FOIA and all-around good guy attorney and probably one of the foremost uh, – I'm, I'm really touting you here, Mark <laughs> – one of the foremost experts in, in how D.C. politics and all that kind of crap works. We have uh, – D.C. courts anyway uh, – Mark Zay. And so, guys, I'm going to um, – I'm going to just switch a little bit. There was, and this came to me, it's from a couple of, there's more than a hundred medical journals that have reported this, but it was in the New York Post. It was also on CNN after uh, Medved said that Russia could use nuclear weapons if Ukraine's uh, fight back succeeds in in, uh, Ukraine. If their counteroffensive works, they could use nuclear weapons, but there is a, according to more than 100 medical journals, 
a nuclear doomsday threat is great and growing. And the nuclear clock is probably closest to midnight that it's been in a while because of what's going on in Ukraine, China, uh, North Korea. So uh, I, I wonder why you, you don't hear about it much because Donald Trump is too busy talking about, you know, Donald Trump and circumcision man's out there in front of the uh, it, <laughs> the arraignment telling us about the evils of circumcision. So all that aside, what is it, what in the name of God is do you think is 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 it as bad is I mean we even had an article in Time magazine. Here's how bad a nuclear war could actually be as if we've forgotten. It it to me it's like we've forgotten how damn dangerous it was Carl Sagan after and I don't know if either of you saw the, the it was the day after. It was a TV event on TV. And afterwards, there was an hour-long discussion with scientists and politicians about the dangers of nuclear war. And it was in that particular broadcast that Carl Sagan coined the term nuclear winter. And he said, imagine two superpowers sitting in a room full of gasoline with an infinite number of matches, wondering, you know, who's going to strike the first and if getting rid of one match would, would make a difference. Have is has the world gone completely nuts? Have we forgotten what the hell it's all about, John? Yes, <laughs> the world has gone completely nuts. Yes, um, and they've forgotten what it's all about. Yeah, I think I think yes to both. I I think that's a fair assessment, and it's 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 uh, important to think about this because um, you know Mr. we could Putin, all die. <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. Putin still has not won uh, his war in Ukraine, and. You know, the, the worry there is that, that you know, he, he'll become a desperate animal and, and desperate animals are, are very dangerous. They lash out in all kinds of ways. And that's the worry is that he'll just get so frustrated, um, you know, running out of troops, running out of ammo, and he'll move the tactical nukes and use them in Ukraine. And um, then, of course, uh, the expectation is that the U.S. and others would respond uh, come to Ukraine's defense with their own nuclear weapons. And uh, to your point, um, that would be bad. Yeah, that's that's the end. Of that, you know, game over, insert new quarter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wouldn't have to worry about Trump trials, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, well, and here's the point, though. I, when I tweeted this out and, and pointed out these articles, I had people tweeting back at me, that's the leftist propaganda. Ah, uh, yes. It, it's all propaganda. So... Mark, your take? It, it's clearly, it's a real problem, and it's its not much in our news uh, unless you're looking for it because everything's being drowned out by Trump. It, it's clearly there. I mean, if you watch CNN, there there's still tons of Ukraine stories. They they won't seem to let it go a little, a little bit too much. But there's two things that have been happening recently that uh, one just happened the other day. I, I, I don't know what the nature of the poll was, but the poll was that for the first time in the conflict, Americans did not want to, majority of Americans did not want to send further aid to Ukraine. Uh, and second, the Ukrainians are clearly becoming more aggressively offensive and moving into incidents on Russian soil, which if I was Ukrainian, I'd be all hell bent support of because you came right. to our country. I'm going to go to yours. Uh, I got no problems with that from a self-defense perspective. But as a non 
as, a, as an American or anyone not actually involved in this conflict, the that's just like poking the bear, the right, the Soviet bear, so to speak, to make it more likely that Putin's going to do something even more aggressive, like a tactical nuke. Our position has always been we were going to help defend Ukraine and push Russia out of Ukraine, not that we were going to help Ukraine aggressively, offensively attack Russia. And that puts us in a hard uh, rock in a hard place, too, uh, and goes to what John was talking about. Well, what if he does use a tactical bomb? Do do we come to the Ukraine's aid? Because if we do, oh, that's Armageddon. Yeah. Well, but I think one thing that, that what if we don't? All right. So so they nuke a tactical nuke in Ukraine. And we don't. It still could be devastating for the rest of the world because of the grain supply in Ukraine. Ukraine is a grain supplier for many third world countries, first world countries as well. It's, it, you know, we have the nation's breadbasket, but they have one too. And I've been there and there are fields and fields and fields and fields of, of you know, of grain that are used across the world to feed people. You're not going to be able to feed them with radioactive grain. That's just that's, so it, one tactical nuke on the battlefield in Ukraine could have devastating effects for years to come in the food supply chain. And I don't know that people are. I, I mean, obviously, Russia's already aware of the fact that Ukraine has a, an effect on the world supply for grain because they've put together an effective blockade in the Black Sea against moving grain that they agreed they would allow to have moved. And now they're selling grain to some of the nations that favor them in Africa and saying they're they're coming, they're pulling a Trump. They're, they cause a problem and they're going to try and, and take credit for a solution that they've to a problem they've solved. So I I don't know that that we fully understand this issue and I don't know that we fully report on this issue. Anyway. <laughs> uh, y- yes dead air <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well, well with that let's move to the next issue that comes up that that is also this week record co2 emissions again i i this is from uh noaa i uh sent out uh you know just sent the article out and with the response i got back was again climate change is uh, a hoax and that climate always changes and by God, uh, let's let it get hotter. With record temperatures across the globe, it's the hottest uh, the globe has been in our lifetimes. And as one person said, no, don't say it's the hottest summer of your life. Just remember, it's going to be the coolest summer of the rest of your life. So with that said, what are we doing wrong in reporting this issue, John? You know, I think there is a push. Um and certain uh, newsrooms to to make everything a climate story. And and if 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 everything's a climate story, then nothing's a climate, a climate story. Yeah. So I think we miss some of the um, some of the real drivers of this. We we we, we haven't explained it well. Um, and, you know, I just think uh, we, we we try a little too hard to report on the matter and and without understanding it 
Yeah, without understanding, if we focused on the science, uh, I think that would be uh, that would make our coverage better across the board. Um, I see climate stories and I don't understand the premise of them a lot of times. And I, I think we've kind of lost our way. Uh, some publications have lost their way on the climate uh, on the climate beat. And, you know, something's going on. You're right. Some, there's definitely something going on uh, with the climate. Um, one worry that I have is, you know, the economy's not really set up to address it. All the incentives and and our creature comforts, uh, I, I, he said, as his AC pumps on this August day. So, you know, I am part of the problem. And uh, my hey, AC will continue to... footprint, baby. <laughs> Sweat it out. Sweat it out. So, um, you know, I should practice what I'm preaching here and try to be more part of the solution. Um, I'll take my recycling out as soon as we're done here. (laughs) Mark. I was at the San Diego Zoo a couple of weeks ago, and they had a huge billboard about CO2 emissions, tracking it over time at the level that it was at and forecasting where it's going to be in the next decade or so. And the the jumps were were dramatic, uh, and especially being outside in, in San Diego, which is you know pretty much hot. the best place, best, hot, but the best weather we could have in the United States for you know year round, uh, though maybe not for much longer or or just not as bad as everybody else. I mean, it was really telling. I mean, I think that uh, we need to get past the the politicization of this issue already. Uh, And it it really can't be a Republican, Democrat, communist, fascist, whatever other term President Trump keeps invoking of folks who we haven't heard from in a long time. uh, From a political (laughs) standpoint. (laughs) Um, The the notion, the facts are a fact. Something is going on with our environment, whether it's man-made or not, who the hell cares at this point in time? I'm not going outside in the D.C. area because it's too damn hot to do so, Uh, or the fires in Canada. I didn't even know there were fires in Canada until the one day in D.C. where you literally couldn't breathe. I mean, your throat started to hurt. Uh, and that I, I've never seen that before. You, you well, know, I, I, I felt that way every day I went to the White House, but that's <laughs> right. So the notion is, what are we going to do for the future to try and curtail what is happening so it doesn't get worse, regardless of what caused it? And you would think, I mean, how many damn movies and television shows have we done on this topic in the sci-fi world to not realize? We need to do it before it's too late. There's a great Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if you guys remember it, the original Twilight Zone, where they're they're talking about how, I'm trying to remember which way it went. It was either the whole segment was, 30-minute episode was about how cold it was getting, like the oh, yeah. planet moving away from the sun. And it turned out it was all a dream uh, yeah. that the woman was having or the guy was having because it was actually the opposite. They were moving closer to the sun and it was getting hotter every day. And that had nothing to do with environmental issues in this way. It was some planetary, just, you know, the moon blew up or something like that. Uh, and we were changed our orbit. But who cares what the cause is? You know, we, we need to address it. I think that's the I, I love that you said that, because every time someone says to me, well, man didn't, you know, have anything to do with it. I, I just go, well, 
does it really? I mean, first of all, I can't believe that you could put 8 billion people in a terrarium, which is the earth, and we wouldn't have some kind of change. Obviously, we've had an impact. We've changed the environment. We've industrialized. Now, whether or not you believe that leads to climate change doesn't really matter when the facts show that we are, that the climate is changing. So, and it's not weather. I mean, weather changes frequently, but it's overall climate over centuries. When you see a climate change, it's, it, I, I go back to the, um, the newsroom and the one segment they had uh, in the newsroom with uh, Jeff Daniels as the anchor. And he supposedly got someone on from the, from the administration. And he goes, so what can we do about it? And he goes, nothing, we're screwed. <laughs> it's, well, all right, okay, I hear you. But is there anything that we could do to lessen it? And he goes, yeah, sure, if it were 20 years ago, but we're screwed. I mean, he was the president of the United States. And if you listen to his words, I it was two weeks ago, and I think I've said this. I've never heard a president of the United States say these words. The greatest existential threat to humanity is climate change, not the nuclear war, not, not not Donald Trump, not plate tectonics, climate change. And to hear that and not, it, it, but you're right, it's taken on this left or right, it's become political and it's not political, it's about survival and it's about cooperation. And that to me is the biggest thing, you know, we, we've built a, a, all of our systems are built around competition whether it's you know our our economic system, our political system, hell, our, our 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 journalism system, all of everything is built around competition, and so when you need cooperation, it's a little hard to find in, in the world. So with that wonderful updated stuff, uh, last thoughts on on uh, where you see Donald Trump in the next sixteen months, John. I'll give you the first shot at it. I think he's the the nominee uh, this time next year. We will have uh, hopefully uh, survived the Republican National Convention. And I also believe that he will uh, be can be a convicted nominee and awaiting sentencing. And, you know, I've tweeted this or I've X this or whatever we're saying now <laughs> that we need smart people like Mark and Michael and others to start thinking about what happens if that happens, what happens next, if he's the nominee and is convicted before the convention or or after the convention, if he's elected and convicted the next day, what does that mean? What what does the system allow? What does the constitute what what happens? And I, you know, i everybody's got theories, but I, I just think. We need a lot of deep, um, deep analysis about what happens next. This could go, you know, one of four or five ways. And, you know, I think we just need to, everyone needs to be prepared. We need to understand uh, what happens next. And that's, that's a hard question. And, you know, there's no guidebook for this. There's no precedent. And again, that's, that scares me. All right. Yes, this is an impossible thing to predict. You know, if things were static and would be normal and the process would function as it's supposed to and people would act as they're morally, ethically, normally supposed to, then we could perhaps predict where where we might be in 16 months. I think because Trump is ratcheting up this so quickly, there are so many things that could happen. 
I, so I have absolutely no idea uh, whether he'll be the nominee. Uh, what I am really intrigued by, and I don't want to have to live through it, you know, <laughs> if he is the nominee and he wins, the federal cases go away. Whether he's convicted, if he's convicted, he pardons himself. It doesn't matter that we're not sure if the Constitution permits that, because what are you going to do, people? Right? right. He already elected him. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a done deal. And we'll see what happens with that. But I'm more intrigued by if he is convicted in New York, if he's convicted, if he's indicted and then convicted in Georgia or Michigan or wherever else, and he wins the presidency, what then? Does do those states send the National Guard after the sitting president of the United <laughs> States to to God. seize him for incarceration? Is it that, oh, because he's president again, he's immune for that period of time until he's out of office? I mean, wow. I mean, this is the stuff of historical fiction and pure science fiction books. And God forbid we ever get to have to actually live through that reality, because then that's the what was it? The sole survivor. Was that the Fox yeah. program yeah. with Kiefer Sutherland? Right. And he everyone gets killed but him because he's the one person, the designated survivor, designated survivor not to go to the speech of the, the State of the Union speech. And Reds, if I remember the politics of it, the red states didn't want to uh, acknowledge that he was president. Yeah. And I think he, there was a standoff between I believe it was Michigan and the National Guard and federal troops over whether this guy was president or not. And. Because that only came out a few years ago, I think during, I believe during the Trump, pre maybe at the end of the Biden presidency, it, it Obama. resonated. Ob uh, by Obama, sorry, yeah. Obama presidency, it resonated a lot more as, wow, this is actually an alternative, alternative, real event, not a complete fictionalized story that we just think about, like. Oh, what happens if the Nazis had won World War II, like Man in the High Castle or or Fatherland? Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen other than uh, it's going to be a very difficult journey for those of you guys in the media who will be continually attacked and those of us who are lawyers who are doing things that the side we're doing it against don't like and whether that's left or right, because we get attacked by the left too. Yeah, when, well, we do. <laughs> when we try, when we, yeah, as you do, you know, when you try to say something as we get back to common sense, because there are extremists on both sides. But the, as I make my distinction between the two, when I get attacked by the left, it's, it's just a very quick verbal attack. When I get attacked by the right, it's death threats. There's a difference. Yes. That's that. Now that's true. And, um, so I'll close with this. I, I, the propensity for violence from the right is far greater than the propensity for violence from the left. We are and live in an exceedingly violent society where we have, an, on average this year, two mass shootings per day, folks. Whether or not whatever happens, even if the violent es violence escalates a little bit, I, it'll be, I, I think our culture will absorb it because we're used to it. We're almost immune to it. We certainly haven't done anything about it. Uh, so it would, it would just be tolerated. But I, I am concerned. I, first of all, I still said, say now, as I've said for a while, I don't think he's going to be on the ballot. 
And I don't think that he'll be the candidate. But that being said, what you two bring up is a very sobering reality that we will have to, I, I don't know how we thread our way through it. So I, I think the next 16 months, I, I hate to predict all that stuff either, but I do think that after, I do believe this much, with 78 felony charges, even in one jury, if he gets a hung jury, there's still a chance, a very good chance, that he's going to be facing federal or state mandatory prison time this time next year. So that will be, that's where I'll leave it at. So uh, I'll let you uh, plug what you want to plug. Where can we see you, John? Uh, CQ Afternoon Briefing. Uh, right now we're in a uh, congressional recess. So every Wednesday at CQ.com and every Friday, RollCall.com, uh, you can check out my weekly column. That sounds great. And Mark, where can, where would you like, what would you like to plug? Well, I'm on <laughs> X, which I hate being on at Mark S-Z-E-S-Q. And, and now I'm on, what's this other, what's the Instagram one? Threads? Threads, yes. I'm yeah. on Threads as, I think, Spy Attorney, because that was my personal Instagram account name, and I can't change it. Change it. I know, right? <laughs> so I was stuck with it. Uh, I Actually, I don't really want anybody to find me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like one of your threads or your tweets about, uh, I'll, I'll leave it with that, but when you, uh, I guess your tweets or your X or whatever about how you know, I've never seen a federal prosecutor ever say you can reach me day or night anywhere at this number. So I think they they are interested in a very rapid trial in the Donald Trump case. Yeah, that and, and I had one person write me, you know, well, they really are working at that hours. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I talk to them on evenings, weekends and holidays, yeah. but that's because I earned their respect and friendship over the years for being a professional and a decent guy. That's not why they're saying it in a public court proceeding yes. against Donald Trump. <laughs> there you go. So with that said, we're all finished for this week's wrap up. As we took a look at the news, I am your host, Brian Karam. You can always catch me at uh, here at just ask the question on all the uh, social media, all six or seven social media accounts at Brian Karam, except for threads, because like Mark, I, I was Brian J. Karam. So you can catch me there. I, I didn't do TV spy or anything like that. So that was, that's my personal account that became my threads account. And of course, uh, at salon.com every Thursday. And of course, if there's something breaking, I'll cover that as well. And uh, once again, thank you for joining us. The name of the book is just is called Free the Press, wherever fine books are sold. We'll catch you next week at the same time. I'm your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us. And, and one thing I forgot, sorry about that, but hey, Michael, I hope you enjoy the Galapagos Islands. We look forward to having you back next week. Bring us a turtle. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom.
Boom is Right Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean, for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that right? What we're drinking? It's amazing. It's amazing. Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Tees, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts.